I'm here with Chloe Hall, who is a student studying sociology here at BYU-Idaho, and she has struggled with depression and anxiety and has come out the other side with some great advice for others. So, Chloe, first, can you tell me a little bit about some of the difficulties that you've dealt with with these um, problems? Yeah. So when I was nine years old, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety, and with that comes anxiety because they're homies and No, depression. Yeah, there we go. Okay. There we go. Yep. Anyways, and through that, it was really hard because when you're nine, you just want to be a kid and have fun, not stress. And But unfortunately, I grew up very fast, and that's why I'm still a child to this day because I said I was like, I lost my childhood, so I'm never going to fully grow up on the inside. So I'm definitely very young. But it's just really hard because when everyone's having fun, you're just drowning on the inside and you don't know why and no one in my family had ever dealt with anything like this before and so they all just kind of looked at me like I was crazy and I was gaslit a lot saying that there was no real problems like it was in my head which it was but it was real Mm -hmm. and so just like despite that and fighting for years to like actually get through it and get help I like come out the other side and yeah and now I know how to help others and what it looks like when someone's struggling. And there's lots of resources where you can learn about it. If you don't have emotional intelligence or have never experienced this, there's resources that can actually teach you. And so that's super cool. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to hear about how you've been able to overcome it. Can you kind of speak to that um, as far as, like, while you're here at school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... School has been hard for me because, well, first off, I'm an introvert. I'm fully, it's funny, I'm fully confident and not scared of people, but I'm an introvert and I don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) So people are like, wait, you don't make sense. I was like, I know. Um, But it's just, it's been really, really hard on me because the biggest thing with my emotions is I don't feel safe. Not physically. I can fully defend myself. I'm a six foot tall redhead. (laughs) I'm not worried about that. It's, I am just... I just don't feel safe. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I feel like I'm going to cry and the world's going to fall apart. And like, I just can't hold everything together anymore. The world's falling apart around me. And it's just all inside of me. And it's the most overwhelming and terrifying feeling. And so finding safe places is something I have to like intentionally work on. I have to make my space safe for me so that I can actually exist, do more than just sleep and eat. Like, because that's my natural default is I would rather sleep than be awake because it's just easier. You don't feel when you're asleep. Yeah. Yeah. So school has been really, really hard with me. I've really struggled because when you're struggling emotionally, you're struggling educationally. Like you can't do both. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people can, but I am not one of them. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you mentioned finding like safe places Mm -hmm. for you. What, what might those look like? Um, places with animals. I like animals a lot more than I like people. They're just way nicer. (laughs) And so even when they're not, they have a reason, like a very clear reason. Like they're scared of you is usually a pretty good chance of why they're being mean. But yeah, with people or with music, I'll often go find like a piano and play and or like I'll go nap somewhere. I don't know. Just like I'm like the equivalent of a cat. I'll just always wander and find my own spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So can you tell me a bit about a time when you were kind of in the midst of these struggles and mm-hmm. you felt the Lord help you? Mm, yes. Um, 
So I've had like a really hard time here on campus finding professors that have, in a sense, emotional intelligence because it's not something you're born with. It is something that is learned. And a lot of people don't get the opportunity or choose to have the opportunity to learn it. And so to them, it's something that you can easily overcome or it's something they don't know how to approach, so they avoid it. And avoiding it is the most hurtful thing ever because in avoiding it, they're avoiding you. And it's just like, okay, I understand. But I've had some professors that are just the most kind-hearted people and you just look at them and you can feel the love of the Savior. Mm-hmm. And it's just the most powerful thing ever. And I was like, where are you from? I don't understand why you're being so kind to me. I'm so used to being treated like I have the plague because I have mental illness. When I like openly say like, oh, I have anxiety and depression, people are like, hmm. Like, I need to take a step back. Like, it's mm. contagious. I'm like, it's not COVID. Right. You're right. <laughs> I can't give it to you. Yeah. Like, well, we could make you anxious, but it's not something that's going to, like, haunt you. Like, it haunts me. Mm-hmm. But I've just had, like, um, a lot of very kind people and a lot of, how would I explain this? Just, like, foresight of seeing how things are going to go down and that everything's going to be okay. Because I feel like everyone expects their education to go perfectly and to never fail a class, to never fail a test, to never struggle. But that's not realistic. And it's going to be okay. When you openly say, like, I have struggled, but I am here and I'm trying. If someone denies your humanity after you say that, that's a personal problem on their behalf. That's not yours. Mm -hmm. Like, you've been honest and true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to struggle. Like, literally, when Jesus Christ was going through the Garden of Gethsemane, he tripped and he hit like, he landed on his face. like, And we do that pretty much every single day to ourselves. Like, it's okay to be stressed. It's okay because Jesus Christ was stressed too. Yeah. He had a hard time. Definitely. Yeah. I I love that. I totally agree. You know, I think if he was perfect and yet he had those, you know, those negative emotions, he had those, like, hard times, obviously, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, that that doesn't mean that it's it's like wrong to have them, I guess. Yeah, there's no shame in having mental illness or any illness. And literally my biggest motto, which helps me to feel comfortable existing because I would rather be a dog. I just feel like I'd be great at it (laughs) than I would a human because I just, I really struggle socially because I was like stunted emotionally with like everything that happened. It's just like social development wasn't something that I necessarily, it was more like focusing on keeping me here on earth because I didn't want to be there for a really long time. And so that was kind of the focus. And so a lot of those social developments of like how to interact socially was not something that I was super taught. So I've had to learn later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's been a really wild journey. But despite the hardships and everything that's made me feel like I was drowning and like I can't do it anymore and like I give up, there's just been people that have just come out of the word work and be like, I see you like I actually see you. And they've made it so I could keep breathing yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that there have been some professors in mm-hmm. particular that yeah. have really shown that kind of love. Um, do you have? Is there any in particular that stood out to you, or would you mind sharing like who some of these? People yeah, are? I can call them out. Okay, call them out. <laughs> um, so one of them's brother Cromar. He's a statistics professor. Um, one of the most kind men I've ever seen. Like I asked him one class how he was doing, and he he was like almost started crying. He's like. I'm okay, I guess. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he just like started talking about like how hard he, uh, things actually are. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he's just openly sharing this from the class. Yeah. And I'm like, there are like 40 students in this classroom and you're just talking about it. And he's just so kind. And then there's another one, brother John Blakeman. And 
I would say the people that are the kindest are the ones that have had the most life experience because when life's treated you good and you've like not had a lot of trials, you don't understand why it's so important to be kind. But when you've been through it, you understand how much that kindness matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned emotional intelligence. Yeah. Can you kind of explain what that is for mm-hmm. people who are unfamiliar with that? Yeah. So emotional intelligence is being able to recognize when someone is struggling with something and not necessarily what it feels like, but what they look like when they're doing it or how they act. Um, for example, when I'm anxious, I turn into a turtle and I I, one of my therapists, he described it as I go into like turtle shell until I feel safe again and then I'll come out. Like I'm still existing and like doing what I need to, but like I'm not feeling anything. It's on pause and then I'll feel it after I feel like I can handle it. But that's just being, emotional intelligence is being able to recognize when someone's struggling and know how to help them. It was, Yeah. yeah. What are some like ways people can help someone who might be struggling in similar ways that you have? Yeah. So first off, you ask them, you're like, so how are you feeling? And then when they lie and say, I'm good, (laughs) you're like, "Okay, how are you actually doing? Because I can tell something's off and like, I want to help if you'll allow me to. And they'll be like, well, I'm feeling, for example, anxious. And you're like, what usually helps you when you're anxious? You literally just like create a solution like right in front of them. And they'll be like, "Mm, like hugging a dog or like eating my favorite snack or taking a nap or like because they usually know what helps them, especially if they've had it for a while. If they haven't, then they need to start experimenting and figure out what helps them. Um, And then you go with them if they would like and you help them get whatever that medicine is, because having anxiety and depression is because your levels aren't balanced. Something's missing like hormonally, like something's altering your chemistry and that's why you're not fully stable. And at least that's what doctors have told me. I may be lying. Um, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I would just like follow through and make sure that they're okay. Because for me, I'm a very self-sabotaging person. When I am like wounded on the inside and hurting, I won't take care of myself. I just like, I need follow up and I need someone to like make sure that I'm actually okay. Because there's a lot of people that fall through the cracks and they don't actually have to. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what What are some other things that have helped you, um, like, turn outward mm. and, like, you know, overcome some of these problems? Yeah, definitely. So I struggled um, with suicidal thoughts when from the ages of 11 to 14. And there was, like, a whole, like, things that, like, totally triggered it that it made sense looking back at it now. But... Um, and I just really didn't want to be on earth anymore. It just didn't feel worth it. I was like, every single thing I did messed up everything because I was that child in my family, the problem child, the reason my parents went gray so fast. No, I was like, I would have described myself as evil in some points because my needs weren't getting met. And when your needs aren't met and you want them to be, and you're going to be aggressive about it, you manipulate and you get your needs met. And so I was a manipulative master. And mm-hmm. I was very good at it, and it was really bad. Would not recommend. Um, <laughs> but despite that, oh, man, I have just, like, when I was 14, the Holy Ghost um, told me to stay because I think that day was particularly hard. And I had already researched how I would end my life, but – and my mom caught me. It was so bad. Wow. But, yeah, she was – most mad I've ever seen her in my entire life. And it makes sense now, but I was like, why are you being so dramatic? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. My poor mother. <laughs> but I, uh, the Holy Ghost, he was like, stay. And I was like, fine, then give me a reason to. 
like, I trust you, but, like, give me a reason. Because I was like, I'm done. This path I'm on, I was like, it feels like a dead end. I need, like, some more path. And so he gave me service, and I was my dad's home teaching partner because that's what it was called back then. And we'd go, and I live out in the country more when I was at home, and we would serve people on their farms. And we would help with animals and I'd be able to get a look into the eyes of animals. And that is the coolest thing ever because they have a soul. And Definitely. so do plants, apparently. I learned that. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being able to see the light in animals' eyes and being able to help them and then be grateful for you helping them and just ministering with animals and ministering with people and just being able to talk and serve them service. You want to know the biggest way to heal your soul is serving others. Because how do you feel this is a question, obviously, but how do you feel <laughs> when all you do is pay attention to yourself and think about yourself? How do you feel? You feel absolutely terrible. You do. And if you don't, I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> or you will. Or you will. It will lead to that. Yeah. It's hollow. Because you're like, after you've sorted through all your things and through all your stuff, you're like, there's nothing there. It's yeah. empty. But when you help others, you become you begin to be filled with love and understanding and joy. And it's just the greatest thing ever, just serving others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ministering is so powerful. There's a reason that the church calls it that and why they encourage us to do it. Because it makes us take five seconds to stop thinking about ourselves and to think of someone else for a change. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's beautiful. I I absolutely agree with that. Um, there's a poem that I actually really love, and it speaks to, to that. It, it goes, I sought my soul, but my soul eluded me. I sought my God, but my God I could not see. I sought my brother, and I found all three. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we turn outward and just forget about ourselves for a minute, Mm -hmm. I think it can really help us as well as the person we're serving. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like in Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 35 or 39, when Jesus says, he says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. Mm -hmm. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You know, it's something that Jesus teaches. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy for us to kind of forget about that because it's so easy to think about ourselves. It's a very natural thing to it do. Is. But yeah, I just, I love what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I think a really important thing is to recognize all the parts of the natural man and how he affects you because it's a very real thing. And if you don't acknowledge it, it's going to overtake you. But a huge part of the natural man is to look at yourself, to be lazy. Like there's all these things that we naturally want to do. But the most important thing is to recognize it and to make an intentional big word intentional effort to overcome those things because there are a lot of different things and just recognizing it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's awesome do you have any advice for people who want to turn outward but just might not know how yeah so something that I do that's super non-confrontational because some people don't feel comfortable being talked to is writing on a piece of paper because most people can read and um, just like writing like Oh, complimenting them or being like, you look really, you look really good today. Or just like asking them if there's anything they need, like a little slip of paper, like in class when your teacher wants to kill you, like, <laughs> like that. But I don't know, just there's a lot of non-confrontational ways you can, or you can just talk to people or you can, one way that I do ministering um, and that I get people to respond to me is I send them memes. 
Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's the wrong number, and it's their mom in there. <laughs> but that's okay. Hopefully she still finds it funny. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but um, you do not have to be conventional. There is no perfect form for being a member of the church. I am so weird, and I'm a member of the church, and I just think that we don't need to all act the same. We can be weird, and we can be unique, and if someone has a problem with that, that's a personal problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is there any other advice you have for someone who might be struggling with mental illness? Yeah. Um, I would say pray to find someone that's safe that you can confide in and talk to because a lot of the time we're blind to them and we're like, they wouldn't actually care. Um, so first pray about it and then decide to confide in someone because unfortunately animals don't talk back. <laughs> God usually does not talk back. You have to communicate with another human being. I have tried um, <laughs> getting God to answer me and he... He's, he has a hard time. Um, <laughs> I think he, you know, he doesn't always do it in the in the most clear way. No, know? yeah, he doesn't communicate in the way I communicate, and yeah. that's okay. But yeah, I would say like find someone to talk to and do not give up. Do not give up on yourself. Do not give up on your mental health. Like I don't care how many people tell you it's not real or it doesn't matter. Or they just blow you off or they just don't give you the extension you've been begging for because you cried yourself to sleep last night and missed the assignment. Like fight for your mental health. Fight for you because you matter. And in this world where people don't believe mental health is like those issues are real and we're like fighting to like make it real and it be equally as accepted as having an asthma attack and anxiety attack is just as real and just as damaging. And just really fight for yourself. And if you can't fight for yourself, ask someone to fight for you because you matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's it's important that we have people, you know, yeah. kind of supporting us and oh, yeah. and who we support in return you know mm-hmm. i can't do this on my own no <laughs> oh yeah no i have a whole support system to help me and and i can help others because of it mm-hmm. i love that yeah. is there anything else you want to share about this sort of thing mm. yes i well kind of it's just more about god and it's just like a pretty direct thing but like god sees the way you're treating your roommates be warned like he is watching you and when you treat them like they don't matter or you step on top of them and you are mean to them god is watching you and he's in control of your life so be very careful what you're doing (laughs) one time oh this is kind of a funny story that's going to totally detract from my point but um (laughs) i was giving a testimony and i'm super fiery um because when i i get nervous and i just say whatever's in my head but i was like i pray that there is an angel named Karma. (laughs) And that he fulfills what needs to happen because there is definitely something that makes it so that people who are unkind and think that it doesn't matter, that, like, no one's watching, I can be mean. Like, they get what's coming. And I don't know. I would just say that's really important. Like, God is watching you. You may not think so. You may not think he cares about you. He cares, and he cares about the person you're hurting, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I just had a lot of bad experiences with roommates. Dang. Yeah. No, it's okay. It just taught me what I want to be and how I want to treat people. The more yeah. the bad things happen, I'm like, this is how I want to do this differently. I love that. I love that. I think it's it's really helpful to, you know, when bad things happen or something hurts you or whatever it is, I think when we use that pain mm-hmm. to 
be better for others. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best oh, way yeah. to handle it. Because just sitting in a puddle of your own feelings does nothing. Literally, you're just the blue girl from inside out. Oh, I hate that movie. It's so <laughs> triggering. It literally <laughs> triggers me so much. When you have emotional issues, it's that real. movie is not funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, you're, I'm getting called out. I don't like this yeah. very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Definitely. Okay. Awesome. Well, is how has your experience at BYU-Idaho helped mm-hmm. you draw closer to Jesus Christ? It's been hard for me at first to like feel like I belong in the culture of Brigham Young University, Idaho. It's a very unique culture, and I don't even know how to describe it. I have just had a really hard time. I feel like one of the people that doesn't necessarily fit in here is because I don't do things the normal way. If it doesn't make social sense to me, I won't do it. And people are like, uh-uh, you did not just do that. And I'm like, well, if I die, I'm ready to see God. Like, I'm okay. I'm literally totally okay with that. But um, here at BYUI, just finding where you belong, because there is a place that everyone belongs here, and there's a group of people waiting to meet you, like from your professors, whatever major you choose, whatever it is, there's someone here that needs to see you and needs to know you, and you just have to find that person. And it took me a really long time, like two years to find my major, but I finally did, and now I feel like I belong. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, you do. (laughs)